Hey, everybody. Welcome to Connected. I'm Kyle Van Pelt, co-founder and CEO of MileMarker. My co-host is Judd Mackerel, co-founder of MileMarker as well. Connected is a show about the people and technologies that are shaping and building the wealth management industry. More people than ever are searching for great financial advice, and more firms than ever are trying to figure out how to scale their operations to serve those who are searching for their advice. We believe that better connected technology provides the space for better connected people, which leads to better advice. Welcome to Connected. On today's show, uh, John Dench will join me. Uh, we're going to talk about what he's doing, how he's gone from working at Facebook to building a risk and risk tolerance software called Pocket Risk, why he built it, how it impacted the industry, worked both in the United States and the UK and broader Europe, how he exited that company, and now how he's embracing new technologies uh, like OpenAI, all of the, the GPT world of, of language models and things like that to uh, give business owners back at least a half an hour a day uh, in managing their inbox, managing their, their work. So John's uh, been an honor for me to follow him through his career. I'm excited about what he's going to continue to build and, and how he's going to make the world a better place. So I'm excited to introduce you to John. If you have not met him before, we're going to spend some time and, and riff on this together. So John, where are you at today? I'm based in uh, Copenhagen in Denmark. Okay, and that's home for you, right? You've been Absolutely. there for a while? Yeah, exactly. But as you can hear from my accent, I'm originally from the UK, from London. I think that's when we met, you were still living in London. Yeah. Was that right with when you were at Pocket Risk? That's correct, yeah. So how many years ago was that? Wow, that's some years ago. I started it in uh, 2012, and then I actually exited it, and it was acquired in 2018. And then were you at, do I remember this right? And this is, I'm going off of pretty old memory, but like, I think you were at Facebook before that, right? Is that, right. Is that correct? I joined Facebook in 2008 when it was around 300 or so employees. It was quite small at the time and uh, across the world. I kind of got in at a pretty early stage, just enjoying the ride and contributing to end up being a massive, a massive wave, which was social media. Who knew it would become so big? <laughs> no one knew. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty cool experience though, to kind of see that hyper growth firsthand. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, I learned so much, met some incredible people along the way. It's really exciting when things grow fast. It's not a very common experience in business, but when you get to experience it, it's a lot of fun. You grew up in, in London? That's right. Yeah. Born and raised. Okay. So okay. I spent my whole childhood there. Was Facebook like one of the first stops out of school? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I was in their London office when they just opened and then I moved to New York and I worked on Facebook in New York as well for a few years. John, I've, it's been fun kind of observing your, your career and all the different things that you've done. And I'm excited to have you on the Connected Podcast. We speak mostly to people in the wealth management industry, both US, UK, EU, uh, primarily. Really, what I want to talk about today is just kind of your perspective on the world, I think, in particular, because you've seen a good amount of diversity in your career. Mm -hmm. And I think you're also working on really cool future-oriented stuff, from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. So kind of want to unpack that and just see what we can learn together today and have a good discussion. Yeah, sure. A big believer, a big fan of the wealth management industry, at least many practitioners in it, in every industry. There are the better performers and the people who give more, let's say, 
and some who are the reverse. But what I really enjoyed about the wealth management community and have enjoyed is uh, the good work that they do for people. Actually, I heard recently of a case where someone's client had passed away and the widow was left behind and the advisor really helped with getting her straight financially, making sure that transition worked. So she was set up for her older years. And this kind of work, you know, it's not something that you read or hear about much in the media or other sources. But this is an example of some of the valuable work that wealth managers are doing. People think it's about S&P returns and so forth. That's just a minor part, really. Really, it's about helping people live the lives that they want to live. And it comes to have such relevance at such meaningful times. There's a guy I know, his name is Ty Philippi. He's based in Dayton, Ohio. He's an advisor I got to know during my time at Orion. I think about him somewhat frequently, especially when it comes to like these moments that are special for a client. His company at the time is called Life Plan. I think he's he has a different company he's now part of, and these things evolve quite a bit. But I just remember him telling me about how he wound up serving clients. He worked a lot with widows or widowers. And oftentimes that one of those people was the detail person. They're taking care of the home. And then the other person was the free spirit. When the detail person would pass away, the free spirit was in this terrible, I mean, obviously it's a terrible event at all, you know, that it happens. It's unfortunate that death is a thing, but to pick up the pieces, Ty and his team, as you tell me, this is years ago now, would go in and find that shoebox that had all the details and start to piece through it and start to put it together so that the widow or widower or partner or wh- however it's the, the family set up could have a sense of what the future looks like. Do you have enough money to continue living in the way that they have? And what does that look like? What does tax burden look like? And that to me is like, that is wealth management. It's really hard work and it's really important work. And it's a real big deal that somebody would trust somebody like us to do it. So it's, I don't know, those are, those are the things that like kind of on the, on the margins of, of what gets talked about, but man, they make a difference. Exactly. We will talk about technology today, but of course that's this human element, which stays the same over decades, doesn't necessarily scale, but it's fundamental. Things like trust, for example, a thing that's very difficult to, to scale, but is essential in all industries and in all walks of life. That human connection is often a lot more powerful when it comes to getting things done and making progress on our planet than uh, technology. I love technology. I can talk about technology all day, but um, clearly that's not everything. And um, yeah, wealth managers, I think, appreciate that. So thinking about where you're at today, let's unpack what you're doing in this space. John, how do you exist in the broader world of making people's lives better? What does that look like today? And then let's back up and get back into a little bit of your time at Pocket Risk. I'm very curious how you went from Facebook to pocket risk. I think it's a really, a really fun thing to, to wade through. Yeah, absolutely. So I was working at Facebook. I'd been there for four years. The company had its IPO. And shortly after I left with a, a small nest egg and not enough to retire in the Bahamas and put my feet up for the rest of my life, but enough to start a company and also start a family. And that was a great outcome for me personally. I always wanted to start a business, but I didn't really know what I wanted to start. And I was a little bit green. I just came across some, I think it was a blogger who said, I'm creating a, a mastermind and I want to get people in and teach them how to launch a software product. So I joined, I paid some fees to join. It was actually quite expensive at the time for me. I remember it was, it was $6,000 and signing up for a mastermind at $6,000, 
based on videos you see online was made me feel uncomfortable at the time. But I just believed somehow, he was good at sales, that it would, it would work. So I joined. They said to me I should call some industries and find out what problems they have and if I can solve them. And I spoke to roofers, people fix roofs, but actually it was very hard to get in contact with them because they're always on roofs and therefore not picking up the phone. <laughs> I spoke to real estate agents managing multifamily apartment buildings and they said the only problem is getting people to pay rent on time. Can I build software that does that? I think there's probably some idea around that, but I didn't think of that at the time. And then lastly, I spoke to financial advisors and there was a, a great financial advisor who also has a podcast as well called Pete Matthew in the UK. He picked up the phone and he said, yeah, we've got a problem, which is tracking our customers' risk tolerance over time. After the financial crisis of 2008, the regulation had come through in the US, in the UK, pretty much everywhere in the world that advisors had to document their customers, their clients' risk tolerance. So I built some software, kind of a survey questionnaire software to help advisors do that. That process maybe took a year, speaking to people, learning, because I didn't know the industry going to conferences. It's this whole year where I was not earning any money. I was just living off savings. But eventually led to, to Pocaris being created. And then it worked and it, and it caught on. And I got advisors using it across the English-speaking world. That's great. And how, how is it different between, you know, the EU and advisors serving there? Obviously, UK has kind of its own unique personality wealth management versus the broader EU. And then the US. What are the, some of the nuances that you saw just between the, the two continents and and how people think about wealth management in the us there's more independent advisors which means there's a lot more custom solutions versus advisors attached to large financial institutions or banks for example that are often commissioned on selling their own products let's say so there's more flavors in the us which is personally i always kind of enjoyed meeting different types of people you know i would meet an advisor based in let's say a place like Atlanta, Georgia, and they have a certain client profile, very different from someone in, in Manhattan, New York, very different from someone in Palo Alto, California. So that was just interesting to see the mix. You know, the EU, we like regulation. <laughs> I don't know why. There must be some historical reasons about that. I think uh, it must be something to do with our monarchs and the long history of wars that led to the creation of a lot of protections for people. And so it's just more regulated, but more regulated means less custom solutions. I think it actually does, on average, lead to higher fees. I can't say that outcomes are worse because sometimes when you're in a straitjacket, which you often are in the EU, that can lead to better results than a lot of customization and going off-piste, which can happen in the US. A great advisor can really, I think, can make a bigger difference in the US. How was technology, how did you have to adapt your technology from pocket risk to the UK version versus the US version. What were the things that you, the challenges that you had to encounter with that from a yeah. technology or product standpoint? I mean, some of it is basic. Like in the EU, you talk about the FTSE 100 or the stocks or something like that. In the US, you talk about S&P. Some of it's just simple stuff like that. But fundamentally, it's about understanding people's psychology and risk. And there's not a big difference between Western Europe and, and North America. So there wasn't much technology change. It's very kind of simple descriptive. But the US was better for our company for sure. And that's because advisors had more independence, wanted more custom solutions. So it can create a product that was more fit their client base versus the EU, which is much more just in a straight jacket. Do you fit into this box? You wound up exiting and selling pocket risk. What did that look like? Who'd you wind up partnering with for that? And Yeah, it will say a kind of one of these, you can call them a private equity company, but a smaller one, not like a huge one, like KKR, Apollo, something that's a small private equity firm. They invested it, they're still running the company. 
And we exited, we did a handover. It wasn't very long because we had very good documentation and numbers, clean accounts. So it was quite a simple handover. It took a few months and now they've continued to run with the business. The person who bought it is actually based in Dubai out of Indian background. So we actually started selling the software more in India and Southeast Asia, where wealth management is very much on the rise, given the wealth that's been accumulated now in that part of the world. So he's focused, he's acquiring customers in that region, which is worth him. So post-acquisition, where was your mind at with what is the next problem you wanted to solve and what is the problem you're solving today? Yeah, sure. So after acquisition, I had my first kid. So a lot of my head was in being a new father and learning about that. That was exciting. It was nice to be able to focus on it, actually, without too much distraction. So that was a real treat. And I've always been close to my kids, and I really appreciate that time I was able to have with them. I've got two now. Subsequently, I started thinking about what businesses I should do or formulate or start. For a short time, I ran a marketing company based off a friend of mine wanted, to, wanted me to, to do some marketing and set up an, an agency because he had some leads that he wanted me to help support. And because it was social media marketing, because I'd worked at Facebook, I did that. But it was kind of a short business. I needed it for a couple of years. It wasn't really my thing building an agency. I didn't find it to be particularly scalable or it was somewhat scalable. We have employees and stuff, but it wasn't, just wasn't my kettle of fish. I preferred software to agency work. For fun, I've got this project. I say for fun because these things start off as an experiment and I accept that, but I've started an AI company. It's called Rapid Reply and it's an AI email assistant for business owners and it helps them write emails faster using AI. So you've probably heard of generative AI and the wave of creativity we're seeing in the world right now. What this does is that it learns your writing style and helps you write some, some emails. And you can press a button, you can talk to it. Let's say I can say, write Judd an email and tell him I'll meet him next Tuesday at 3 p.m. You can just write that in whatever, two seconds. So then you don't have to type. So it's a productivity time saver. Most of our customers say it saves them about 30 minutes a day in their work. What got me interested in this space is that I'd worked in sales and at the agency and so forth. And so I just spent a lot of time sending emails. I think if you get more than 20 emails a day, you start to get annoyed, inbox overload and so forth. And often if you're a business owner or you're the key decision maker in an organization, you get a lot of emails because that's the primary communication channel businesses use, right? So this just lightens the load. So you have more time to focus on more productive activities. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of early. We just started it in December. Uh, 2022 and now we have a bunch of customers it's growing it's fun and yeah we're seeing what the big boys are also doing the big boys and girls google and microsoft also have similar products that they're releasing to market but we're kind of focusing ours a bit more on business owner features i think i think we we're probably going to do some calendar management a few other things that will make it a bit more focused on business owners but it's been fun to learn about ai and the impact it can have in the world things have gone really fast with bard and and chat gpt and all the different innovations that are happening. But if you had to fast forward, if you're serving people, like how do you think AI is going to continue to benefit this? I think also we're learning that it's not just outsourcing our brains. We still, we're, these are just tools. But how do you see this really impacting business culture and the way we work? I'm quite excited about with the AI is the stuff it will be able to do with workflows. So in terms of creativity, I think it's a bit overrated in terms of the ability to write, say, emails, even blog posts, the kind of written word, is that, that creative element is a bit overrated. It's very good of images, though. What I'm interested in is kind of the boring use cases you don't see, like 
enterprise workflows, insurance claims, or this kind of work where you've got people doing a lot of manual repetitive work, often the large workforces typically in South Asia doing a lot of paperwork and button clicking. I think AI will be able to, to do a lot of that and make it much more productive. What it means is that I think companies can shrink, they can be more scalable, they need less personnel, just like the internet and the modern business applications have done as well. Just like we don't really need secretaries anymore. Sooner or later, we might not need as many operations. I think that it's easy for people to see that and they're like, oh, AI is going to impact 300 million jobs, big headlines that are going to get a lot of clicks. But I think that really just means that we're, we're all going to just do different things. And hopefully people are really more and more focused on their highest and best use. I know that that's like a big thing we see in wealth management is a lot of advisors in particular are spending a lot of time on things that are not their highest and best use, not their most optimal way to use their gifting, their passion, whatever. There's so much more room for improvement. You know, if you're looking to manage, like you're a, you're a professional and you're working to serve clients, like what are the things that you should be thinking about today with, with how to use some of these new tools to like have immediate results on giving you back your time. Obviously, Rapid Reply is a really cool solution for that to give you back a half an hour a day. What else should I be thinking about just in terms of optimizing my life with the tools I have? Yeah, sure. Well, you can start, of course, with the most popular, which is ChatGPT. It's very good for learning things. And also because it can search the internet live, also barred from Google. You can get information. If you want to learn about on a company, for example, that you're thinking of going into partnership with a large company that where there's information on the internet, that could be very helpful to use it to, for summarization, just to learn the value proposition of that company. That's a good one. Or if you want to learn something about some stocks or some bonds or some economic history or economic theory, you want to learn some math, for example, all this stuff, just the learning process comes a lot quicker. You're not going on Google searching, going through different links, going forward and back. You can actually learn a lot faster. And I found that to be very useful. You can also summarize documents very well. So there's many documents that you have to read. There's a wealth manager. This is something, for example, that can help speed up that, that process or someone in your team as well. I'd also add something that you didn't ask, which is that although there's all these applications that can make you more productive, I think the result is that as these become popular, then the edge becomes more and more the human relationship, actually. <laughs> and you know, the connection you have with your, your clients or your or your niche, that's going to be I know, even more important. So, John, how can people learn about you and follow you and keep track of, of all the different things that you're doing through your career? Yeah, sure. You can uh, go to rapidreply.ai and see our, our email tool. You can find me on Twitter, John Indege. It's J-O-H-N-N-D-E-G-E. I'm also on LinkedIn as well with John Indege. So, you can just find me in those, those places. Also, I have a newsletter on Rapid Reply where I talk a bit about sales and, and how to manage the sales process. So you can check out some YouTube videos I've put up on that as well. And John, this has been great to spend some time with you and, and just to catch up and see where you're at. I am such a fan of people that want to create something new and that care about just making this world better through technology and solutions and also other entrepreneurs that have a history of, of solving unique problems. It's really admirable. Um, and I've appreciated getting to follow you over the years. This podcast is brought to you by Turncast. Turncast is the absolutely done-for-you podcasting partner that's built specifically for financial services companies like MileMarker, like Orion, like Lifefield, like a bunch of other companies in this space that are finding a ton of excellent scale 
through the services of Turncast. When we say done for you, it's completely done for you. I sit here, I record this episode, I plan it out a little bit, but generally the team takes it from here and makes it amazing. They make it a video episode, they chop it up into social media assets, they give me a full transcript. So if I have compliance, they can take care of the whole thing for me. Um, it's super excellent. It's an amazing team of people that are, are focused on this space, but also more than that, focus on making excellent content. Today, time is harder and harder to get. So they wanna take and give you back the time, help you have key conversations with people that complement your business and create opportunities for them. And so the team at Turncast is awesome. So check them out, turncast.com. Happy to use their services and excited to see how you can use them as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Connected. This podcast is brought to you by MileMarker and it is produced by Turncast. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a review it helps us and our show. And for more information about MileMarker and Connected, visit us at milemarker.co. 